Hi, this is Cynthia McCarty for Faithfully Memphis. I'm the director of youth and children's ministry at the Church of the Holy Apostles in Collierville. Each week on Faithfully Memphis, we talk to interesting people about the role faith plays in their lives. This week, as part of our Nurturing the Next Generation series, I am joined by Dietrich Kurt and Chris Consewitz from the Centers for Youth Ministry Training and Nick Guerrera, who is the Memphis Area Coordinator for um, CYMT or the Centers for Youth Ministry Training and two of their uh, resident graduate students, um, Hannah Minton and Jeremy Demarest. Um, thank you for joining us. Hi there, this is Cynthia McCarty, and I am the Director of Youth and Children's Ministry at the Church of the Holy Apostles, which is an Episcopal church in Collierville, Tennessee. And I'm here today to talk about investing in youth. Part of the investment in youth um, is youth ministry and children's ministry as a profession. And that is something that I, I feel like we don't we don't talk about a lot. So um, I guess first I want to start by talking to um, Dietrich Kurt, who is the executive director of um, the Centers for Youth Ministry Training. Um, I want him to talk a little bit about um, the history of this and why he wanted to start this program because um, it is a really neat thing to be involved in. We have Chris Consewitz, and she is the director of coaches for the Center for Youth Ministry Training. And we have Nick Guerrera, and he is the area coordinator. And we also have Jeremy and Hannah, who are both um, in the residence programs. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Centers for Youth Ministry Training and our experience um, in youth ministry. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, and we're excited to share what the Center for Youth Ministry Training is, but most especially as we talk about it more broadly, you know, the importance of professional youth and children's ministry in the local church. And so, you know, the Center for Youth Ministry Training is a, um, we're a nonprofit, we're based out of Nashville, but work with churches, uh, ecumenical church, group of churches from all the way up in Philadelphia, down to Corpus Christi and San Antonio um, with folks in 14 different states. Um, one of our primary programs, which we'll mostly be focused on today, is our graduate residency in youth ministry, where we take those, we recruit those who God has called to children's or youth or college ministry to our program, and then pair them up with a partner ministry, um, an Episcopal church, a Methodist church, or a camp, or um, a college campus ministry, where they serve for three years and learn on-the-job training, while also earning their Master's of Arts and Youth Ministry degree through Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. While, while they're doing those two things, our goal is to surround them with everything that they need to grow into who God's called them to be. So, in addition to their education and their on-the-job training, we provide them a veteran youth minister who serves as their coach, and they're a part of a cohorted program where they have peers who they interact with and encourage and support each other 
as well as um, teaching them perhaps one of the most important things, which is how to care for themselves so that they can sustain their ministry for the long haul. So that's a short overview of who CYMT is and what we do. When did you start this program? How long has this program been around? Yeah, we um, we started in 2006. Uh, we were founded by Brentwood United Methodist Church, which is just south of Nashville, and First Presbyterian Church of Nashville. Some people on the call or listening to the podcast might know the name Mark DeVries. He wrote a lot of youth ministry books, and he and I were, were friends and both identified a need for uh, preparation and training for those feeling called to professional youth ministry in the Presbyterian and the Methodist Church. And it turned out that we had very similar visions. And so we got a group of people together, for, formed a board. And here we are 16 years later, working with 60 plus residents. And as I mentioned earlier, 14 different states. So Chris, tell me a little bit about you and your role in youth ministry. So I uh, served 35 years in full-time youth ministry in the United Methodist Church, a few years in Florida, and then um, the majority of that in Collierville, Tennessee. And so uh, I was blessed by a lot of awesome students like your husband to have a part of uh, my youth ministry. But during that time, there, there wasn't a program like CYMT. A lot of students either would go to seminary and they really weren't equipped equipped if they were going through ordained ministry. They really weren't equipped to work with children or youth. So the process I took, I went through and received a certification in youth ministry through the United Methodist Church. Um, but there was not an all-encompassing program. And having, unfortunately, there's a huge turnover in youth ministry. Majority of youth ministers are only in ministry at a church for 18 months. A lot of them leave ministry after three years because they don't don't have a support system. And I think for me, that's one of the reasons I got involved with CYMT. I've known Deech a long time when he was one of those young youth ministers. And so a lot of churches would call me up and say, I have a young youth minister and you've been in youth ministry for a while. How can you support them? And so I started out with a, as a coach with CYMT, walking along students. And then I was an area coordinator and now serve as the director of coaching. But I think for me, it's just the support that people have in ministry. We all know no matter what our role in ministry right now, especially coming out of the pandemic, that it's a hard place to be. And so there are coach meets with them on a weekly basis. Um, they have a cohort that walks through all three years with them. We give them additional support. They're in a spiritual formation group each week. And then this past year, we found some extra niches that we have discussion groups. So we have a, a lot more students that are pursuing children's ministry or doing a dual role like you in children or youth. And so we have a discussion group with them with a phenomenal children's minister. Um, we also um, have several residents of color. And so I have an incredible um, pastor, female pastor that is working with them and having a monthly discussion group and some working with nonprofits. So for me, it's not just the degree they're getting the seminary degree, the master's degree, it's all encompassing. And I think that's one of the roles that CYMT does that, that other programs do not offer. 
that that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this was that as somebody who's been in youth ministry and children's ministry for more than a decade, when I first started, I did get a certification in youth ministry um, through um, a Lutheran seminary, and there weren't that many options. I mean, there was an Episcopal one, and I'm sure the Methodist church had the same thing. But as far as making this an academic pursuit, did it seem like it was possible for me? I mean, it didn't seem. And the turnover is really great in this profession. I have been at my church for over six years, and that's a long time. So Nick, you've been in youth ministry for a long time in this area. So tell me a little bit about what you have done. Yeah. So uh, for those listening, I'm Nick Guerra. I am the Memphis area coordinator for CYMT, but I also serve a local church here in Memphis uh, in the Cordova area, Heart Song United Methodist Church for for over a decade, which is uh, hard to believe as well. And I, I kind of found CYMT. Uh, I'm a former, former, or I am an alumni of CYMT, but I found CYMT later on. Um, it wasn't right after college uh, or right when I got a youth ministry job. I'd actually been working uh, at the church I serve now for for five years, and you know, honestly, thought I was doing a pretty good job, and and uh, you know, knew what I was doing. Yeah. Thankfully, a, a lovely couple in our our uh, community, you know, said, "Hey, we, we know a group of youth ministers that uh, are in seminary. Seminary was something that I was thinking about, feeling called to, but didn't really know what that looked like." And they said, we, we know a bunch of youth ministers that are, are going through seminary uh, and we think you might fit in with them. And I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I, I'm blazing my own trail, but I'll go to a dinner with them. I'll, I'll go sit down. And I was actually blown away. It was uh, at, at that time, Memphis Theological Seminary, where I sat down with them. And it was a bunch of people uh, passionate about uh, not just youth ministry, but learning and, and understanding um, why they're called to lead youth uh, and how to do that effectively. Uh, And not only that, they were sharing things like, oh, you know, I've got a budget due next week and I, I, you know, I've got to do this or, or man, uh, I'm walking with a student that, you know, yeah, we were teaching about prayer, but, you know, they just lost someone and and dealing with grief. And I immediately thought this is where I need to be. Um, So five years in, you know, already at a church uh, and CYMT, you know, found me, I say, uh, and and I jumped in. Uh, one of the things that I love and still use today is the first year, if you're a CYMT student, uh, Jeremy can attest to this, you you go through practicum and practicum uh, is something that you, you have milestones where it's the core essentials of what you're doing in youth ministry. So budgeting, how to plan a youth trip. So someone that's been doing this for, for five years already, and I'm taking it in, soaking it in like manna, because like, I'm like, oh, wow, I've, not that I was doing it wrong, but there's there's ways, there's best practices to, to learn how to do this stuff. And uh, not only that, you know, I have someone that's a youth ministry veteran. Uh, you know, I thought I was a vet five years, but Chris Consolis was my coach. He's um, been doing it since, you know, I, before I was even in youth ministry as a youth helping me coach me along in this uh, and and helping me grow as a youth leader, that, that's just been a, a, a huge part of that. And so, you know, I, I know we've been talking about CYMT as, as you know, just, uh, you know, when you're first into youth ministry, but as someone that, that came through this, what we call a professional track in CYMT. So uh, someone that is, is knowing that they've been in youth ministry, knowing they're in a church that they want to continue in, um, 
um, can come and and get training and and uh, grow and have care and coaching um, and a cohort, uh, which I haven't even begun to talk about. But but yeah, I, I just uh, it, it's it's still to this day, even now working with CYMT, helping uh, you know uh, recruit some some youth ministers that. Um, are interested in in seminary, I, I, I'm drawn back to what it takes to be a youth minister. Um, and I think, you know, Chris, and, and you say, you know, that burnout rate is so... Uh, it's uh, so high. It's so high. And, and so I think back to, you know, we've all kind of hit around is that, you know, we don't know sometimes what we need until we experience. Yes. Um, and, and that was definitely my case. Yeah. Well, you talk a little bit about that, um, Nick, about that call and mm. about how, you know, a lot of us in this in this position, our call feels it feels different than a lot of other people's. And and a lot of people ask, have you thought about seminary? Mm. Have you thought about going through that track? And, you know, it's always something that's in your heart. But you also think about how this is a call, yeah. you know, how this is ministry. I mean, this is a ministry, probably one of the greatest ways. Mm. Um, because it really is, we're, we're really teaching those kids with the games mm-hmm. and with the fellowship, you know, our life as Christians. Mm-hmm. And that that's what's been really wonderful for me. But I like having the support, though, and seeing that this is something that um, is, you know, academic mm-hmm. and, and that there's best practices um, has been it's it's really it's really nice to have that support, especially in, in an industry that that the burn out rate is is high or it is a, a stepping stone for something else. Talk a little bit um, with Jeremy, who is a first year resident, but you're not you're not new to children's ministry. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jeremy. Hey there. <clears throat> so my name is Jeremy Demarest, and I am the director of children and family ministries at Calvary Episcopal Church. And uh, like Cynthia said, I am a first year resident in the CYMT. But similar to Nick, I this is not my first year in children's ministry and not my first year in youth ministry. I'm no longer a youth director, but I have been in the past. I was the director of children, family, and youth ministries at Round Rock Presbyterian Church in Round Rock, Texas for three years before I moved here to Memphis. And I completely agree that the CYMT has given me so many skills that I didn't have. Chris, earlier you were saying how a lot of youth directors and children's directors burn out because they don't have support. I found that hard and fast my first year in youth ministry. I had just graduated college. I did not know what I was doing. And I burned myself out, I but I kept going because it's something that I love. And one thing that really drew me to the CYMT was that built-in support network that you have, your cohort, your coach. Um, by the way, Cynthia is actually my coach. <laughs> so to have those support networks in place in the CYMT um, and to have like-minded individuals, because I built the support network in Round Rock, but it wasn't necessarily people who were youth directors or going through the same thing that I was. And to empathize with someone in youth ministry or children's ministry is really difficult when you're not in it. Um, To understand that and to talk about it with people in your own cohort or doing this work with you is so valuable. And so that has been one of the best things about the CYMT for me. 
How about you, Hannah? Yes, um, I am a second year in the graduate residence program. And my mother was actually an Episcopal youth minister for 20 plus years. Um, and now she's actually an Episcopal priest. But I was always that rebellious child that was like, I am never going to do what my mama did, <laughs> you know, whatever. But when I was doing a year in the Episcopal Service Corps in New York City, the youth minister at the church that I was serving at um, told me, you know, I think you are, I'm feeling that God's calling you to youth ministry and I think you should pray on that. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Like, that's just not it. And then, um, in one week I got the CYMT, like someone sent me the CYMT page or three different people sent it to me within a week. And so I was like, okay, God, I'm listening. He also knew that he had to like put it right in my face for, for me to actually listen to him. But it has been one of the most wonderful programs and things that I've ever done. I actually found my husband in the program. He's a third year resident, which that's really fun. And the dynamic between the Episcopal church and he's at a Methodist church, you know, we've learned a lot about each other and just how similar you ministry is no matter what denomination you are or um, whatever. I do um, children and youth. So I'm from pre-K three to 12th grade, which is bananas. Yeah, <laughs> um, we trying should, we to should probably talk some because I do <laughs> yes. the same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, which is a lot, um, especially because I'm in a very small Episcopal church. So, you know, it is just me doing everything. Um which is really fun. And I love like this. I not only have the support of the CYMT family, but I also, my families at the church are very, very supportive and loving of everything. So I feel very blessed in that way. Cause I know that is not always the case. Um, but I'm in, I didn't even say where I'm serving. I am in Paducah, Kentucky at Grace Episcopal Church. You know, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, how I got into youth ministry, I lived here. My, I met my husband here in, in Memphis, in the Memphis area, and I lived here. We got married in the Episcopal Church, but then we moved, and I, I wasn't in youth ministry. I worked for the YMCA. I was the aquatics director, so I taught swim lessons and lots of other things. So I was already, I always felt like, like I was doing ministry in some way, and it was nice that you know, the YMCA is a Christian organization, so there was a lot of that. What are your thoughts about it? encouraging other young people to get into this career. Dietrich, I was thinking about what you said a few minutes ago that about games and playing with kids and doing those things. I think a lot of times folks think about youth ministry like it's a position, a camp counselor position. We, you know, if you can have fun with kids, then, then you can do youth ministry. And one of the reasons it's a, it seems like such a call for me is, is that that couldn't be further from the truth that there is truth in that. Like, all of us on this call are fun and still enjoy uh, doing youthful things. They keep us young. But if you're going to do it as a profession, there's so many things that you need to know how to do um, and be able to respond to. I mean, the hurt that young people are experiencing right now nationally, the mental health struggles that are going on. We had a young lady commit suicide in our community um, in the last week. Uh, it's the youth minister space to to be there, to be in the midst of, of that, both with the family, but also with with the community and teenagers trying to help uh, make sense of, of these difficult things. And so how could it not be a profession? Like 
it's so much more than just being able to play guitars and play games with kids. I can't, this is Cynthia, I can't play the guitar very well. So <laughs> I, was, I was never able to do that. But I really feel like, um, Nick, what do you think? Like, if you think of this as a cheerleading game playing camp counselor position, that's a real key to get burnout. Yeah, no. Uh, one of the things we we did when I was a student at CYMT uh, uh, is, is really dissect everything that we did on a Wednesday, Sunday night, whatever programming we had for youth ministry night as a youth leader and think what, what is the theological reason why? Like what, why does this matter to what we're doing? Uh, whether it's games and it's not to say that none of that has importance. It was to help us to claim yeah. why is this important for a young person? And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking back to my own personal journey as a youth, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was striving to be anybody who would accept me. So if, you know, you you liked uh, sports, I'm going to be the biggest sports fan with you. If you liked hunting, I'm going to, you know, wear a shirt that says Will Hunt for Food. This is a shirt that actually had Will Hunt for Food. I've never <laughs> I've never been hunting. Um, and I hunted in the fridge and that my youth group allowed me to be who God called me to be. Um, and I didn't know that at a time, but as I was dissecting, okay, why do I do what I do in youth ministry? It was so that kids can come in uh, to our space uh, and learn who God's called them to be, learn who God says they are um, and be okay with that and have space to explore that. And we uh, read, we read, a lot of Henry now, and or at least uh, we did when I was uh, in seminary. And uh, there's this picture of pastoral care card called the wounded healer. Jesus welcomes people into his wounds. And by that, they are healed, that there's space in there for care, for us to, to put the balm of Christ on us. And I know that's odd and weird language, uh, but it helped me understand why am I called to youth ministry is because I see, like Deech said, so uh, much hurt. So many uh, uh, teens like me just trying to figure out, okay, who am I? And so our space uh, the, the, at our church and our, our ministry is is this, this open space that people can be called to, to who or find out who God calls them to be. And so I think that's the importance of, of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it uh, with young people and even children. Because uh, if you don't know what and why and why it matters to them and to God, you'll eventually ask yourself that question, why am I doing it? And I think that's why the burnout happens. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I understand that. And actually yesterday I was in a meeting and we talked about, we put, we put blue dots and, and cows up on the sacred things, you know, and why, why these are important and why we're doing it. And, and to think about our mission, you know, as a church and, and, you know, why, why do we have, you know, strove to say pancake dinner? Hmm. What aspect is that? And why are we playing this game? I mean, you know, why are we taking this youth trip from the aspect of me who does a lot of the parish ministry um, as far as, you know, pre-K all the way up to 12th grade, I, I really have to take a look and say, why am I doing this? I try to use some of my educational background as an educator to really plan the lessons. And I like that that we're teaching this to y'all as a perspective in youth ministry, because I, I like to be able to say, okay, well, this is how I'm doing it. And this is going to be affected. What are your thoughts about, you know, the importance of children's ministry and what you do? 
Yeah. So, hi, this is Jeremy again. The importance of children's ministry is is to give the children a foundation in their faith and to help them later on ask the questions to explore their own faith. Right before I left Round Rock, we were kind of deciding what is the role of each of these ministries. And we had children's ministry, youth ministry, and adult ministry. And we put it as children were uh, ministry was to give them the foundation of their own faith, the faith uh, denomination that they're they are in, to give them an understanding. And then youth ministry, uh, we decided they, the role of youth ministry was to explore, explore their faith, ask those questions, and give them the option to say, hey, this is how we do it, but you can choose your own path, because faith is very much an exploration, a personal exploration. Um, so I think children is very much to give them a foundation. And so I think the biggest thing that's happening right now, obviously, is that we're coming out of this pandemic. And I don't know, being in youth ministry um, through this, I think that this has probably been the most challenging 18 months that I've ever had in any profession I've ever had because of the uncertainty of it. Deitch or Chris, what are your thoughts about that as as somebody um, working with um, youth ministries and being able to look at it from a different perspective as us? um, What are are some of the things you see, some of the challenges you see that we've had to... Right. And I I know Deitch is going to want to share about theology together and innovation. I'll let him do that. But in hearing you all speak, two of the things that, that come to mind is as coaches and as our staff, like one of the things I do in my new position is we work alongside the on-site supervisors of our graduate residents. And so what you just touched on is a lot of times I'll be checking in with the pastor, but they'll really end up sharing the struggles that they've been going through as leading a church through this pandemic. How do we restart? Um, and so we we do walk alongside them. We try to offer them support. Our coaches meet once a month with on-site supervisors other staffs checking in with them. Another part of of what we do is we work with um, visioning and goal setting for the ministry. So especially right now, that what it looked like before the pandemic and during the pandemic you know, our goals are very different right now. And so our staff works with helping the churches and partner ministries deal with that. And one other thing I wanted to touch on is um, it's not just young people entering in into our program. So um, we do have some graduate residents that, you know, like Nick had been in ministry a while. Some are married, some have families. Um, I just spoke to somebody um, the other day in our recruit recruiting director that is a mom of three and she was a teacher. She really has been called to ministry because she has seen the turnover in her local church and she really has felt called to children's ministry. Um, So what that looks like. So our residents are all different experiences, backgrounds and ages. So I want to encourage somebody. It doesn't matter what age they are, like they can still have an incredible calling to, to children in youth ministry. And also, like if there's pastors listening to know that, you know, we offer support to the partner ministry as well. And I that's so important right now coming out of the pandemic that that is huge. So this is Dietrich again. 
One of the observations is just the, um, as we look across the 60 plus churches that we work with, the number of people who are active. Um, I mean, nobody, on, I would be very surprised if anybody who's listening today is not maybe frustrated or disappointed and wondering where, where's their congregation, where, where are their people and um, how do we, how do we re-engage them or how do we, um, how do we invite them back? Why, why haven't they come back? Are they really watching our, you know, live stream? And, and, and many of those questions are on the hearts of so many of our churches. And one of the things that we've seen is that churches kind of put a pause on youth and children's ministry during the pandemic. They actually put a pause on a lot of ministry, um, adult ministry as well, outside of worship, right? And, and, and now we're, we're trying to help families to recognize why they would want to engage with youth and children's ministry, which for some of us is really hard because we think the reasons are really obvious. But one of my observations is, is that we have a retelling to do. Whereas the, you know, tradition of this is what we do when we go to church, COVID has really turned that upside down. We've been so disrupted in our regular patterns. How do we invite people back into that space? And that's definitely one of the things that we're seeing I know through the pandemic, it's, it has been very hard and things went pause. And now it's like, okay, we got to start back up. Hannah, being in a small congregation like you and, and doing like all the programs, I've tried everything. <laughs> I tried everything there was, you know, did VBS online, brought sacks over to people's houses for, you know, Sunday school. Um, I tried to have youth group on different things. We met outside a lot. It's hard to think in numbers anymore. I'm trying to encourage encourage myself. I don't know about y'all, but I'm trying to encourage myself. Like we're, we're going to give the best program like we did anyways. And I, I'm not going to count heads because it's really, it, it can be very discouraging to do that right now because people are at different spots in their lives. Hannah, what is your experience in a small congregation coming through this? So at my small congregation, there actually hadn't been a youth minister in a few years. And so I started in July of 2020. So like smack dab in the middle of when it was all like chaos. So as youth ministers and children's ministers, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do the thing that has the most meaning and that they get the most out of it. I think doing ministry in a pandemic has taught me that, you know, we kind of got to give ourselves a little bit of a break <laughs> and like, not everything is going to be successful. And I've learned that like very much the hard way, creating a youth culture that was not already present has been very challenging. And I have had to do some of those days that are just fun days and, you know, doesn't have a very meaningful message or, you know, it's just a matter of praising God that 10 kids came to play some kickball. You know, I think being in ministry for the first time during a pandemic is probably going to give me more grace in the future to allow myself to not be so hard on myself because it is very hard. <laughs> you know, it kind of is what it is. 
I, I think you're right about giving yourself grace, which is something that's really hard, especially when you're you spend a lot of time as a youth minister dependent on a crowd. It's hard to plan for 16 people and you have two people show up, which is a lot of what I'm doing. I mean, a lot of what we do these days, and it's it's really hard to think. And and then you say, I want to be optimistic, plan for you know, I want to plan for 16 people because if I plan for two, I'll have 16, which is what I always hope. But hopefully this is we're coming out of this. And, and it's I think it's created a little bit of space for us to be able to sit back and look and say, OK, not everything we do depends on that crowd we want. We are here to teach about Jesus. And it doesn't matter if it's two kids or, or 20 kids. One of the things that we found helpful at CYMT is we are in the midst of a multi-year grant from the Lilly Endowment that we call our Youth Ministry Innovation Lab. Pre-pandemic, we were looking at how to help churches pivot and not, well, pivot's more of a COVID word, right? Um, But looking at trying to help churches identify the needs of young people in their community and then uh, develop programs that could address those needs. Then COVID hit. But one of the things that's been super helpful with the innovation lab, we have a, this theological innovation process, and, and I would highly recommend all listening to this the podcast uh, to really dig into what is it that somebody needs? What, are the, what is it the families and the young people of my church and my community need right now? I think one of the challenges we've had as far as getting people to come back is that their needs have changed. What they needed from the church in the past is not what they need. Now, don't hear me say they don't need Jesus. That's not what I mean. The core of what the church has to offer is still the same, but maybe the entry door for how we engage them looks different. And so an example of that is, you know, one of our churches in Texas, they they serve a under-resourced community around their church. And during COVID, they couldn't young people didn't, weren't able to access food because a lot of the young people who were part of their program were a part of food lunches at school and that wasn't available to them in the same ways anymore. And so this church through the Innovation Lab created a cooking program with their youth minister on Zoom. Her, her name's Daphne and they created food boxes for families. And then on Zoom, they had cooking night with Daphne um, where she taught them how to cook and prepare meals, allowed their church to connect with more people in that community than they have had in the past um, and created an entry point for, for the church. And so one of the things that I've remained curious about is how can we identify the needs? Because um, if, if you're meeting somebody's need, they tend to show up. Uh, if, if you're identifying what it is that's you know troubling them or the hurt that they're experiencing or the community that they need to experience, but what was it that they need? Um, if we can identify those things and how they've shifted during COVID, that will help us create programs that um, invite them into those spaces. This pandemic has has changed a lot, not just in youth ministry, but ministry as a whole. And 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 having you know to bring it back to to CYMT, my mind's always thinking about about that. Is that um, I uh, no longer a resident in CYMT, 
but I still um, am in the community of CYMT with other youth ministers, other children's ministers who are going through the same thing. And and uh, my heart breaks just thinking about someone who doesn't know that, who doesn't know that there are other people wrestling with the same thing that we're talking about. And so I, I'm I'm thankful that we're having this conversation. So someone might hear and say, "Oh wow, you know there there are people that are are struggling to say, am I, you know, why am I only having a, a low attended events or or you know I'm trying to rethink the will here and and you know we're having these conversations and uh, so that people will know that that they're not alone in all this. <laughs> Yeah. What what are the things that make a professional youth minister? What is what are the things that set somebody set somebody apart? Kind of going from my experience of, you know, a lot of youth ministers go into youth ministry just doing youth ministry. You know, there's none of that extra education. And I was actually asked to be a youth minister in the Diocese of Atlanta. And I just like could not get myself to do it because I didn't feel fully equipped for the education part. And I think that is kind of what sets some youth minister. I mean, not saying that you have to have the education, but like that's like what what I felt that I needed to do to be the best youth minister that I could be for youth was that I needed to know a little bit more about theology and like how to teach about Jesus um, in these hard, you know, teenager times for me. It's the education is like why I feel I'm going to be a better like professional youth minister. I was going to say sort of the same thing, Hannah. I think it's the theological, but also the practical that you need both of those together. And, you know, if we're honest, students now ministry has changed. I definitely during my time in ministry have seen huge shifts in ministry. And so what we used to do to now is that, you know, kids, they're asking hard questions. They've been through a lot and, you know, they're facing more things now. And so I see teenagers going a lot deeper now than they would have in the beginning of my ministry. And so having that theological background definitely helps with that. And then I also think, you know, there's practical things. I had a resident last year that her youth group, the church had never been on a mission trip. And so being able to walk them through practically, but also, okay, why are you doing this? Like, what is the theology behind it? Like, why are you, why even go if you're not going to, to have a basis of understanding of what your students want, you want them to gain out of this experience. And it's not, and gain, I don't mean just like serving other people, but how is that going to put a calling in their life? And I think helping, you know, we see a lot of our students, the students of our graduate residents being called into ministry in different ways. And so the graduate residents being able to walk alongside of them, I think is so important, whether it's in a church or a nonprofit or a camp, you know, I see a lot of young people really having a calling in their life in a different way than we have in the past. Yeah, this is Nick speaking. And, you know, uh, thinking on the question of what what really, you know, makes someone a professional youth minister, you know, I think there's always a real good mix of organic and structure when we think about like, you know, there, there are people that are feel called to love and care for and guide uh, young people uh, towards Jesus and, you know, for uh, in the church that 
have, you know, a nine to five job, you know, somewhere else as a lawyer, as a teacher. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, professional youth ministry, um, there is a title, there doesn't have to be, you know, there's organic ways that that happens all the time. But, you know, when we think about, okay, what, what does this look like for a profession? There has to be that structure. And so I think so many people out there have a organic calling to uh, love and invest in young people, uh, but not that structure. And for so, so many um, churches, even denominations, they're trying to build that structure as they're walking on it. And I think that's really, uh, that's really hard. Uh, when I think about what makes a professional youth minister, it's it's those healthy boundaries of an organic calling and, and, a, and a structure that helps help you grow into who God's called you to be. Hey there, it's Jeremy again. Thinking on this question, I was really thinking that to be a good professional youth minister or children's director, um, you really need to have such a strong drive and passion for this work that you're going to apply that every day. But then also, you don't have to be doing this as your nine to five job to be a professional youth minister. You can be a volunteer. You can do this as long as you have the passion and the love for those kids and those young people that you're working with. And I agree, the education piece uh, that Hannah has mentioned and Chris mentioned is, is such a valuable piece because kids want to get deep. They want to know and they want to learn more. And to have that education and that background to help answer those questions and help guide them is so helpful. And then I think also one more thing uh, to be a professional youth minister or children's director is to have the ability uh, to say, I don't know, and go and find people or equip them with things that will have the answer for that or will help them find their own answer for that. And to also lean on other people because it's not an island. We can't do this alone. This is Dietrich again. I'll answer my own question. I mean, by definition, a professional youth minister is somebody who gets paid to do youth ministry, right? <laughs> um, so maybe leaning into both Jeremy and Nick's responses, maybe vocational youth minister is the is the better terminology, um, but that's not that's not the business world speak. I, I when I think about those who are vocationally called, it's those who will not let kids go. So they pursue kids, they pursue a relationship with kids, um, they pursue helping young people discover who they are, who they've been created to be. They help them pursue answers. You know, youth ministers have been known to work too much. Right. But it's somewhere in that space, which we need to learn how to take care of ourselves. I'm not suggesting that this is a good thing, but it, it's in that space of just this deep love and desire to see young people experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ and to have their lives transformed and to do that well, to do that today um, and probably always, there's a toolbox that you need. You, you need pastoral care because kids Kids need you to have a toolbox that allows you to enter into the really hard spaces with their lives. You need to have a, some theological underpinnings, and um, and you can gain those from other places besides seminary. That's not the only place to learn biblical or theological knowledge. But you need to pursue that so that when big questions are asked, you're able to lead and guide and help young people pursue their own answer. And so I think it's the gathering together of the toolkit that your toolbox, filling up your toolbox with the right things so that you can 
really pour into kids no matter where they are. That's what a vocational professional youth minister looks like to me. Thank you very much. I, I agree. That's why I think, you know, the CYMT program is so important um, is is to be able to equip um, those who are in charge of our young people um, in the church and in charge of that pastoral care for not just the young people, but but for, you know, we support the entire congregation in in most cases. I think that um, what y'all are doing is really a wonderful thing. So not just um, what we're doing, what you're doing, too. I just want to know what's given you hope for the future. Um, for me, giving giving me hope is just seeing youth ministers that are just poor, and children's ministers that are just pulling, pouring into children and youth and families and just being allowed to be um, a part of their journey. During Lent, I'm doing a daily time of prayer, intentional prayer with all of our graduate residents and coaches and pastors. And so even just today, having having some of those prayer requests and just to see the work they're doing and just their hearts for ministry, like that gives me hope and is so rewarding. How about you, Hannah? What brings you hope? I would say my youth bring me hope in terms of like, they are so invested in their own futures and like the future of the world way more than I was when I was a youth. Although those kind of conversations are a little bit harder for me to answer their questions because sometimes I don't have the answers, but knowing that like they are so passionate about this world that God gave them and that they want to do a lot to take care of it, that that just gives me hope for the future of everything. (laughs) I'm a pretty hopeful person. I, my teenagers give me hope and I'm excited for, I'm excited for the space that, you know, there's a lot to not be excited about but with COVID, but it's created some new spaces, maybe let some things die. And if you haven't let some things die, maybe you should, but letting some things die that doesn't matter that much so that we can focus on being present in kids' lives uh, in ways that really do matter. But then, I mean, I get to be, I'm the executive director of the Center for Youth Ministry Training. I got 200 youth ministers out and children's ministers out there daily pouring into the lives of young people. And that gives me tremendous hope. It is changing, uh, it's changing the world. Um, It's bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth. And that gives me tremendous hope. All right, Jamie. What brings you hope? You know, there's a lot going on in the world. And what gives me a lot of hope is the empathy and the care that I see come from my young people. I'm a children's director, and um, I saw this when I worked with youth, but I, I work with children now, and I see their empathy shine through every day, um, whether it's taking care of each other or they hear about a need in the community or in the world, and our, and their first question is, how can I help? What can I do? And that's not something I ever thought of until I was probably in high school and maybe not even then of how I can help. But to hear that from little one's mouths is is really moving. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Yeah. You know, when I think about what's given me hope, uh, I had a conversation with a uh, one of our 
my church's youth, uh, youth, uh, she's in seventh grade and she has four older sisters that have all gone through our youth group. She said she was experiencing anxiety and, and a lot of tension. And when she figured it out, she had to share it with me, but she was scared to share it with me. And what she shared was that she was unsure of what she thought about God. And she was afraid of how people might see her if she she wrestled with that because her, her family's very plugged in, but she knew she had to tell me. Yeah. And I I was just overwhelmed with joy that there's a space and a place for her to share that and wrestle with that. And that she felt comfortable telling her youth leader that. And and I, I know for some parents that might be scary, but that's exactly why youth ministry exists. Yeah, to to create so that safe it's space. It's given me tons of hope that that um, there's still great need uh, for youth ministers and youth leaders. Yes. Well, I thank y'all. This brings me hope just to know that I'm surrounded by um, professionals and support. And I've really been thankful for being able to be a coach to Jeremy. And I've learned a lot. It's been a great year, even though it's been a hard year to start back up. But this has been a really great year for me, professional. And so that 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 brings me hope. I'm, I'm kind of in one of those spots where, you know, I'm, I'm in my seventh year here at a church that is growing. Um, and we have a new priest and we have a lot of change that has happened anyways. <laughs> Being part of this program as a coach has, has really brought me hope because I know that I have this built-in network of support. I'm going to say a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer for the, a prayer for young people. Okay, so we'll, we'll end with that. God, our Father, you see your young children growing up in an unsteady and confusing world. Show them that your ways give more life than the ways of the world, and that following you is better than chasing after selfish goals. Help them to take failure not as a measure of their worth, but as a chance for a new start. Give them the strength to hold their faith in you and to keep alive their joy in your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining me this week on Faithfully Memphis. Be sure to like and review us on Apple Podcasts. This is Cynthia McCarty for Faithfully Memphis. Until next time, stay safe and stay positive.